When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from iLikeYou.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at iLikeYou.com. Now, let's get started. Hello everyone, welcome to Hue at Home. I'm Tracy Koga. Well, we are yet in another lockdown. More cases and more deaths. Though we try to live our lives as normal as possible, sometimes it just seems so futile. So today on Hue at Home, we are going to start the healing process towards better mental health and have some fun along the way. So we'll start with a great conversation with recording artist Justine Tyrell in Calgary, Alberta. Well, it is always so great to hear new music, especially now where we are. And in Winnipeg, Manitoba, we're back down into a lockdown. And I don't know about you, but I'm going crazy. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Justine Tyrell all the way from Calgary. I, I'm hoping you're in Calgary, Justine. Yes, you're <laughs> That's right. your home. <laughs> I know, that I know. Normally, I know, girl, you'd be on tour, you'd be opening up and performing live, but here we are. Yeah. And uh, I just want to get to know you and share your great music. Congratulations mm. on the new single, Worthy. And you definitely are worthy of hopefully, Thanks. you know, getting more <laughs> fans. So let's get yes. right into it, Justine. You know, your love for music obviously stems when you were very, very young. But what was it like in your family back then? Um, I grew up in a pretty eclectic musical household. So I was like, I was around my grandma, my aunt, my uncle, obviously my mom and dad a lot. And so my parents are very, I think they're where I get the R&B from. You know, my mom and dad love old school R&B. My grandma was kind of more like the Eagles. We'd listen to the Eagles records. My aunt was Garth Brooks. So really I grew up, I, I didn't grow up around people who played a lot of music, like in terms of instruments, but there was just always music in the household. And then from there, I kind of um, managed to convince my mom to get me a drum set. I don't know how that happened. So I started kind of messing around with playing drums and then that led to piano and singing. And yeah, so it was just kind of always around growing up. And you wrote your first song when you were seven. Okay, I want to I know. Did. Do you can you <laughs> sing it for us? Or what was the Here's title? Here's the crazy thing. I remember the lyrics. I don't know, like, to this day, I can't figure out where the inspiration for this came. But uh, how did it go? It went, uh, 
quietly and softly you whisper you'll be there for me crazy you left me with the promise you promised me keeping your promise to me is that too much to ask 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 letting your mind run too free 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 you forgot about me like what who who made me mad at seven i don't know oh i hear shades of michael jackson in there oh i've actually never thought about that he was one of my faves oh well there you go well and here we are now in 2020 who would have yeah. ever thought, right? And, you know, I'll, I want to talk a little bit too now about not only the music um, industry, but also, I think, the whole movement yeah. of culture, Black mm -hmm. Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. All of these things now come to the surface. So uh, what are your perceptions? And, and you know I, know, I know too that you were a go-to person in you know in the in the summertime and everything like that yes. when things were getting very very hot so now yeah. i mean what is your what are your feelings now yeah i think for me like part of why i started speaking about it and getting involved in it is just because it felt very personal for me and i think in canada sometimes it's easy to witness what goes on in other parts of the world or what goes on in in the states specifically and think you know, oh, we're so fortunate. That doesn't happen here. You know, we don't have racism here. And I, I'd said before that I had experienced racism for the first time, like blatant racism being called a derogatory term in grade two. And this is in Calgary, Alberta. And, you know, I'm biracial. My, my mom is um, prim primarily white Hungarian um, with a little bit of indigenous Blackfoot, and my dad is Jamaican. And just growing up, I had just seen such a difference in how the two sides get treated, you know, and how the two sides are portrayed. And, you know, growing up in school, I had teachers that asked, you know, like, oh, your dad drives a nice car. Is he a drug dealer? Is he a football player? And I'm like, how are those the only two things that my father can be as a successful man? So long story short, I, I, I related with that part of the movement and I felt comfortable to speak about it because I'm not speaking for anybody else. I'm just speaking my own experience. And I think with Black Lives Matter, it's tricky because I think that people get really political about it and it just comes down to the fact that it's it's just a human rights issue. It's, it's equality for everybody. So yeah, long story short, it was easier to speak about it because it's personal for me. Yeah. And then mm. that sort of stems too with your music and, uh, yeah. you know, what you're writing about now, has this changed at all? It has a little bit. It has a little bit. I think with Worthy, I, I, the, the song is very much about like, you know, a relationship and holding on to your self-worth in that context. But the course at the time did take a double meaning for me. I felt like it was important to write something that kind of celebrates you know, someone in as they are in their own skin. So in a way, it made it easy to parallel the visuals and uplift other people from the black community and just show diversity in general, um, you know, because worthiness can mean so many different things. It doesn't just have to be a relationship standpoint. So yeah, it did start to kind of have an underlying presence in my music mm -hmm. and, and of course, certainly the visual. 
And like, I know that friends and family are certain, certainly important, but mm -hmm. I guess now with everything that's happened in the world, sometimes the people that you think are your closest friends uh, may not be. Yeah, that's, that's a very, a very good point. And something that I think like on all sides of it, people can relate to because it, there, there's a side of it where people that you think are your friends, you find out their views through all of this. But then there's also the flip side, which is I got to know a lot of really amazing people through this time because now everybody's just putting their values out in the open, right? And they're wearing it on their sleeves. So it's easier to actually say like, you know what, you're the kind of person that my values align with you. You know, you are someone I want to talk with and be friends with and engage with. So I experienced both sides of it. You know, you kind of see some friends fall off, but I actually gained, I gained some. So yeah, well, that's a it bonus. Out. No. It is. <laughs> and of course it now, is. I guess you know, getting your music out, I know mm -hmm. the industry has changed so much and yes. uh, you know, a lot of it is on the onus of the artist to yes. be up to date on social media and to, mm -hmm. you know, get their music out however they can online. But what has it been like for you, your journey, Justine? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I guess weighing it between mm -hmm. putting your music online and then performing live and how yeah. has that all changed now for you? Yeah, good question. It's definitely trickier. I think right now it's also, it's, it's competitive. We all have to have a presence online, you know, streams matter so much. Like when I started doing this, it was more about, you know, you go and you have a great live show and you engage in person and, and online is definitely a component of it. Right. But now it, it is very like, how many streams does somebody have? How many followers does that person have? And even trying to navigate performing online is such a different beast. So it is, it's been challenging on that side of it, but at the same time, it's kind of like with anything, you just sort of adapt to it. And I think for the first time I'm, as I'm creating music, I'm kind of less worried about the numbers and I'm less worried about all of that kind of stuff because I'm finally just making stuff that I like, you know, so it is easy to go down the rabbit hole of having to have that online presence perfectly there. But I don't know, it's kind of a beautiful space and you can tuck that away a little bit and not care too, too much about it. But yeah, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird new world. It's different, <laughs> especially the online performing is such a difference from what you know, from what we're used to, it's so, it's, it's very different. But the bonus is things like this, where I can connect with somebody without having to be in the same city, right? Or even the same province, like yourself. So it has its upsides, but it's been weird. I, weird yeah, world. I know. Well, you, yeah, well, you'll get to perform for us virtually too. But you know what? You put it so beautifully, uh, just finding a real balance to it all now, because I think it kind of hit its peak probably, you know, this year with artists mm -hmm. trying to change or navigate different waters and you know reverse engines and put yeah. everything online and you're right there's just so much out there but I think yeah. if you can find your niche and know mm. who you are then it yeah. really doesn't matter if you have 50 views or you know 500,000 mm. you know and I guess it does in a way yeah. but it's no, all but where exactly you, yeah but it's all where you are in your head right and how you feel it's Exactly. And I think it, it translates when you are just creating music from a happy whole place. I think that that has longevity and that will just organically build your fan base over time. It'll build the streams. It'll build all of that. 
So yeah, it's, it's, it's trickier in the beginning, but I think in the long run, you're just happier as an artist. If you can care a little less, like, don't get me wrong. I still care about that. <laughs> oh, I, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hear you. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, there, there is a business side to this, but you know, and, and looking at yourself then possibly as a role model, I mean, you know, obviously in the States, you know, celebrated Biden and, you know, of course, Kamala Harris now uh, being a, a hero for a lot of young ladies and little girls growing up, but for yourself now, do you consider yourself a role model too? That's a good question. That is a really good question. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily, but I, I guess the side of it that I do identify with is that it comes down to representation. Mm -hmm. So in that way, I guess, I guess so. I don't necessarily think that I have like model behaviors and I know exactly what I'm doing all the time. But I do recognize that they're just like when I was small, I looked for people who looked like me mm -hmm. and who was, who looked like me and who were able to achieve the things that I want to achieve. And so that is the side of it where I guess I, I kind of relate with that a little bit. It feels weird to ever say that I'd be a role model, but I, I do I do hope that I can represent something that someone can look at me and be like, oh, man, if she can do that. I could definitely do that. No, and you that, know, yeah, yeah, and that's awesome. And you are, you are. Yeah, no. thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, and just thinking back, I mean, your parents too, obviously, must be very proud. But you know, you probably can go back to in the very beginnings of your musical career. How did wow. they influence you and and support you? Uh, they were great from day one. They never, they never tried to sway me or push me to do anything else. Um, yeah, they were always so supportive. And my mom, my mom especially, I mean, she's my number one fan. <laughs> and she comes out, she's come to all the shows, whether there are three people there or, you know, sitting in McMahon Stadium with 30,000 people there. Like my mom is ride or die, always there. And, and my dad is too. But I think the biggest influence and the biggest gift that they gave me was was the fact that they just let me be who I wanted to be and they let me pursue music and they didn't try to sway me into other things. Um, that's huge, huge. But oh yeah, they, and, and even still my barometer, cause they have very good taste in music. My parents are in fact much cooler than I am. They're very cool. <laughs> <laughs> my parents are very cool. So usually I'll, play, I'll, I'll throw a song idea by them. Mm -hmm. And if my parents don't think it's cool, I'm like, there's a chance this is not a good song. <laughs> They're pretty in tune. It's crazy. Oh it's my crazy. goodness. Oh, yeah. You're probably the first artist I've ever met that actually listens to their parents. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. It's not, it's not typical. But we, my parents and I, we grew up kind of as, as best friends. Like we grew up together. My parents were kind of younger. And I just think there were so many great opportunities for us to relate to each other that, um, yeah, their word is, is gold to me. Oh. Mind you, my mom's probably going to watch us and be like, oh, good, I can tell her to do anything all the time. For <laughs> yeah, she'll I, always <laughs> <laughs> I heard you say this now, Justine. And, and no. so now the future. Um, I do know that you are doing some virtual concerts. Yeah. Yep, that's right. So I'm um, doing some virtual concerts. I've paired with another artist um, who's also based in Calgary. Her name is Jocelyn Alice, and she's incredible. Um, so we do a show every Sunday at four o'clock uh, Mountain Standard Time. And so we're going to be doing that until I believe December 6th. Mm -hmm. um, and crazy enough, a few of my shows returned in the past couple of weeks. So 
for now, we're able to have some, I know, we're able to have some socially distanced live small uh, performances. Awesome. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty nice to have a little bit of both for now. So holding I, on to it. So I'm curious, like when you do that first live performance, even yeah. if it's social distance with only, I don't know, here in Manitoba, we can't do that, but we used to have yeah. these uh, small curbside concerts, like with five yes. people or whatever. Yeah. yeah. What will it feel like? It's <laughs> <Surreal>. um, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. In some of the venues that I play, we have plexiglass casing all around us. Uh. So it's interesting, you know, so much of what we do obviously is an energy exchange mm -hmm. and the first time that we did do that show, I think it was myself, my piano player, and a bass player. So there's three of us, and it, it did feel like it's kind of us yeah. and, and, and the crowd. But after doing it a couple times, it was easier to get that synergy back. Mm -hmm. um, but, but certainly you do feel kind of the separation a little bit. It's, it's unusual. It's unusual. Yeah. Do you ever think that we'll ever set foot in a live venue? with, you know, 250 uh, people watching you perform? You know, I do. I actually do. Because I think that we're going to be on our way to a new normal. I don't know what exactly that will look like. Mm -hmm. um, do I think that that's in the extreme near future? No. <laughs> I don't think that's very <laughs> soon. But I do I do kind of see, see a day where things return just to a, a new normal, a bit of a new normal. Oh. At least I hope. Fingers crossed. Yes, fingers crossed. Oh. Well, you know what? It's been so nice to meet you, Justine. I know that the future holds a lot of stuff for you. And hey, let's keep in contact, you know. Let that me know when great. you have your next single out. So uh, that would be you are going to actually give us a performance, which I'm so yes. happy about. Oh. And uh, maybe yes. just do a little uh, lead-in intro to the song. And of course, who's going to be accompanying you? Absolutely. Well, I will call on my lovely boyfriend. His name is Pardeep Such. He has graciously agreed to um, play a little guitar to this. <laughs> or did he have no choice? <laughs> he had no choice. You know, he had no choice is the truth. Here he is. Thank you. Um, so what I might do, I'll probably, she says, thank you. Um, so I'll probably just take out my headphones and then we can um, do it that way if that works for you. Yep. So yeah, we're going to do an acoustic version of Worthy. Aiden, can you still hear me okay? Yeah, perfect. Okay. Great. Thanks All so right. much. Thank you. Here we go. Start, but all of these smoke can leave. 
Finding up us now here. I just want honesty, ain't that what you promised me? And why waste my tears on you? I know that I'm worth it. And I know I deserve it. I just want an L-O-V. Someone who knows how to treat me. And I know that I'm worth it. And I know I deserve it. I just want an L-O-V-E. Someone who knows how to treat me. Treat me. If you could show, let me know. Instead of hide your love away and don't dirty in the dark. Used to know that body, body, used to know your mind. Hit me with the sorry, sorry, boy, don't waste my time. If you could have shown, let me know who I But all of these smoking finding numbers now we're here. I just want honesty, ain't that what you promised me? And why waste my tears on you? I know that I'm worth it, and I know I deserve it. I just want an L-O-V-E, someone who knows how to treat me, and I know that I'm worth it. And I know I deserve it. I just want an L-O-V-E. Someone who knows how to treat me. Treat me. That is my latest single called Worthy. Thank you so much. Welcome back. Well, we kick-started Hugh at Home last week with a very important conversation when mental health matters, communicating through cultures and generations. We had 15 local community leaders come together to talk about racism and the effects of the fear and anxiety that has been prevalent throughout this pandemic. Here's a short clip featuring University of Manitoba professor Tina Chen and her point of view on how this has affected the Asian community. 
I was thinking a lot about, you know, what to talk about tonight. We all know that, um, particularly with COVID-19, the kind of explicit racism against the Chinese community um, in the early days was very marked, and it was marked across Canada and Winnipeg and Manitoba and other places. And, you know, what we found that was really interesting is as projects, um, particularly those with Immigration Partnership Winnipeg, start to create mechanisms for reporting racism, that in Manitoba, there weren't a lot of reports coming forward that people weren't really sharing those opportunities. And I think, you know, in many ways, it's a reminder of the way that racism often is born individually as something that, you know, can't be shared, um, that people feel really uncomfortable with, you know, just speaking out and saying that it's happened to them. And also how we often kind of question whether those microaggressions were really, you know, targeted at us. Did we misread them? Do we want to kind of create a scene um, or should we just kind of step back? And I think this is, you know, for me, and I think it's something that I'm sure we'll all pick up. I think this is actually where the stress of the moment and the kind of isolation becomes greater. And so many fantastic organizations are trying to create that support and those, uh, you know, opportunities but without physical interaction and kind of having spaces where you can gather and share the stories, I feel like the isolation, I'm kind of, you know, in the individual level makes racism feel so much more pronounced. Um, but I thought that really what I want to share was, I also have like good news stories, I think. So I wanted to share a bit of those as well, because one of the things with COVID-19 and thinking about racism and particularly anti-Asian racism is that, you know, it coincided with the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement through this summer. And particularly um, many um, in the Asian community started to think a little bit more about, well, what's our role in, you know, thinking through anti-Black and anti-Indigenous racism and what's the relationship to the Asian community. And so I've been, you know, also alongside these part of an emerging organization um, that finally came up with a cool new name. So POW is our name, the Prairie, Prairie Asian Organizers. And really it's a group that's been coming together to really, to reflect on what Asian communities need to do to think about shared experiences of systemic institutional and personal racism um, for all BIPOC communities but also to acknowledge the differences and particularly to engage things like the model minority myth. So what does it mean when Asians often get put forward as a model minority? So this, and precisely these ways of learning to just be disciplined, quiet and step forward and do your work. But how has that also kind of create the conditions for increased anti-Black and anti-Indigenous racism? And this group is, you know, I think for me, just being a phenomenally, um, productive space of um, conversation, always online and physically distanced in these different ways, but because I think it challenges us to place in the broader context our experiences with racism and also, you know, that it's not always all the same. And so I think I'll just leave it there because I really want to hear about everybody else's as well, but I wanted to kind of take this opportunity also to talk about these new conversations that have been generated, um, you know, in the last few months as well. Now that was just a short excerpt from When Mental Health Matters, Communicating Through Cultures and Generations. You can see the entire conversation on our website, and that's ilikeyou.com. Now I'd like you to meet Linda Drastowicz. She's a business and life coach here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And she's had to do some reinventing herself after going through divorce, losing her father, and watching her mother struggle with dementia. She knew that she had to be better and stronger, not only for herself, but for her daughters and as a mother. So after some hard work and great coaching, Linda is ready to share her expertise with the rest of us. So we'll start off with you getting over your fear of being on social media. 
Hey everyone, how are you? I'm going to talk today about developing the confidence and courage to show up online on social media. And because of course we're in the pandemic right now, we are all using social media more. And some of you may be using it for your business and it can be a real struggle for some people to overcome the hurdle of showing up their face, showing a photo, going live can be terrifying for some people. Um, just any kind of showing up. And it can be even as simple as expressing your view or sharing an opinion or uh, just a quirky part of your life that you want to share, but you hold yourself back because you're worried about what might, people might think. Um, I'm going to tell you a story about my adventures with social media. About two years ago, I had never been on social media. I was not a Facebook person. I was not, um, I was not an Instagram person, LinkedIn. Um, I really just was, I just didn't use social media that often. But I knew with my business that I needed to be the face of my business. I needed to get out there more often and I needed to start posting. But I was terrified. Uh, and th that's not an understatement. I really was nervous to show up online. And I remember the first time I did an Instagram story, I literally filmed that 15 seconds and then I pressed post. And I held my finger over the delete button because I was just kind of convinced that the world was going to uh, just suddenly leap on me with judgments. And I was, yeah, I know a lot of drama, but I know that some of you can relate to this. We build it up in our minds. We think that people are going to be immediately judging us, uh, criticizing us, putting us down. Um, and rightly so. There's a lot of trolling that happens on social media. There's there's a lot of um, really harsh judgments towards women and their appearance, their bodies. So it exists. It's not that that's made up. So some of you may have fears, and rightly so. Um, but it's not okay that that holds us back uh, from showing up, uh, offering what we have to offer, giving what we have to give, um, and letting people know who we are and what our business does. It's, it, it's important for our revenue and for the success of our business. So what I did was I, had, I, I did not hit delete on that post, and I realized that the world had not come to an end. Nobody attacked me. And so I posted again and I posted again and I slowly started to build up my confidence. And then the first negative comment happened and I shrunk back. I deleted the post. I was, I just felt horrible, like that sick churning in your stomach. Um, but again, I realized, wait a second, again, the earth has not <laughs> come to a screeching halt. I'm fine. I'm able to uh, go on with my life. And I started to get more creative. I started to take more risks. I started to just show up more fully. I was inspired by other people. I would watch what other people would do. And I'd think, oh my gosh, that looks so fun. That looks so interesting. Um, I got into the creativity of it, expression of it, um, and just embraced that this is a platform 
that we have to communicate with each other, to raise each other up, to inspire each other, to sell our products, to really have an opportunity to use our voice in the way that we want to. And no one is telling us uh, how to do that. I mean, there are some parameters, but really we don't have to wait for anyone to publish our words we publish them ourselves. We don't have to wait for approval. We give ourselves approval. We don't have to wait for permission. We give ourselves that permission. So my advice to you, if you are feeling like that lack of confidence, self-conscious, any of those feelings, um, definitely just give yourself one little, one little thing to try. And I promise you, the world will not come to an end. And you build on those small steps and you keep taking those small steps until you find yourself like me, you know, completely comfortable on social media, showing up on Facebook lives, recording videos, uh, just having fun with it, really even taking chances with how much I share, um, really trying to be honest about who I am, being authentic and reaching the people that I need to reach. So that is my little window into showing up with confidence on social media so you can connect with the people that need to hear from you, that need your work, that need your words, that just uh, really need you. So the world needs you. And so uh, show up and uh, you'll be happily surprised that you did. I want to thank all of our special guests on today's show and leave you with this question. We all know that 2020 is coming to an end. But are you looking forward to 2021? Do you have any fears? We want to know, so send us an email to hello at ilikehugh.com or message us on Facebook and Instagram at ilikehew. But for now, stay safe and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Hugh at Home. Listening. This has been a production of iLikeHugh.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. 
Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.